your marriage feels more like The Walking Dead than Sleepless in Seattle, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams, and we know that marriage is hard work. And we believe it can be an adventure full of laughter, fun, and building a connection that lasts. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is the Legendary Marriage Podcast, Season 1, Episode 23, and today we're talking about saying yes to sex in your marriage. Yeah, this is kind of a follow-up to last week's podcast where we talked about a frank conversation and um, just kind of... About sex. Yes, and (laughs) how some couples, you know, maybe don't have those conversations as much as um, they might if they weren't so awkward. But um, the interview today is really interesting because it gives a fresh perspective on just having those conversations and what and, can be the fruit of it cuz yeah, this couple really this couple Nathaniel and Taylor mm-hmm. they are married for a couple years now so they're kind of newlyweds but they've gone through the ups and downs and they've had those courageous conversations and have really seen some fruit from being able to engage in those conversations yeah. throughout their marriage so yeah. it's exciting and they're both just brilliant and fun and funny and and they just they have a lot of wisdom to share for being um youngins. I know. I mean, I feel like we've learned a lot from them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. In many ways. So, uh I think without further ado, we'll just dive right into the interview. This is actually part 2 of the interview that we recorded. We'll share part 1 at a later point. Enjoy. Um I was saying that um, a lot. I, I don't know why a lot of people come to me to talk about sex. I really don't. I, but um, but they do. They a lot of women want to talk to me about um, about sex, and I think it's because a lot of premarital women. Um, we have a really interesting. Nate and I have a really interesting relationship um, where we were sexually active. He actually came into our relationship um, as a virgin, and I did not. Um, and I came in with um, not with you know, some sexual abuse history and just a lot, a colorful, colorful history, not Mm. too colorful. It's not get crazy, but a little colorful. And, um, and we started our relationship off with a bang and, um, and we're sexually active for a few years. And then the few years prior to getting married decided to, um, to stop. And, um, and it was this, it was a huge decision for us. It was, um, I mean, to stop having sex is, what made y'all have that decision? Um, it just was right for us. We felt like wow. God had called us to to be abstinent, and it wasn't. Um, it was. It just it wasn't right. It just wasn't right for the timing. It wasn't right. We were, we wanted to wait until marriage, and um, there was also a do or die conversation. We had a couple. I had a that was after we'd already life. decided, though. Um, it was around the same time, where a, a, a married couple came and sat us down at a park separately oh, yeah. and said, Whoa. you need to stop having sex or you need to break up. And we walked away just like shell-shocked. And we were like, oh my gosh, 
I don't want to break up with you. I don't want to break up with you either. Well, I guess we need to stop having sex. Well, to be fair to this poor couple, we came because we were already thinking of stopping. And we were like, what can we do to stop? And they were basically like, stop stop or you stop (laughs) being together. (laughs) And so so for us, it really was, I mean, it, it was a fair question because we were really serious about not having sex before marriage and you know, it was do or die. It was either stop or, you know, find someone else to be with or don't be with anybody. And so, um, you know, through a lot of, it was, it was a definitely a rough process, but we, we were able to, to be abstinent and, um, in every way. It was a total mindset change and it was a relationship change too. I mean, we, you know, went from using sex as, um, as a tool for intimacy, which it is, what it's for. I mean, it's in it for, you know, for other reasons too, but it's a tool for intimacy. And, um, we had to go from using that, um, to, to nothing and to just stop cold Turkey really. And, um, the adjustment was really difficult. I know Nate had a lot of, uh, unorthodox ways to to speak to that. Wow, that felt like a loaded setup. Yeah. Well, (laughs) 10 cold showers a day. No, no. Nothing nothing like that. It was like that. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Okay, nine. There was was one particular instance that she's referring to where I was at her apartment. And, you know, it says in the Bible, like, flee. Like, flee as in run away from temptation. temptation. And so we wanted to have (laughs) sex really bad. And I like just ran out of her apartment and, and ran just into. Left. Just, and they just left. Just ran around her they complex. <laughs> well, and it worked. Eventually, I came back, but yeah. Was, yeah. Hmm. So anyway, we had a we had an adventurous little moment moving from um yeah. from being sexually intimate to not, um and then and then we got married and um and there was a um. It was a lot going from having sex to not having sex to then having sex in the right setting. And the transfer was just really difficult and we really struggled. And I think that that's why um, people do want to talk to me about it because I have a story, you know, our, our, you know, just getting married story and our sex, you know, all of that. It's different than most people. I think most people talk about when they get married in the honeymoon phase and just being really intimate and just loving it and, you know, hitting it off with a bang, you know, you wonder whether or not you're going to be sexually compatible. And then that first night, it's just magic and just stars everywhere. And it's just beautiful and something to remember. And for us, it was really difficult. You know, we'd waited three years to be sexually intimate again. And it it was, it was not stars and magic. It was Mm. really hard. And our first night was not, you know, the picturesque, um, sexual evening of delight. It was, it was, you know, tears and it was, it was rough. I'm Um, thinking, I'm thinking of our wedding night and like we came back and you're like, your face is tired from smiling and every part of your body is tired. (laughs) You're exhausted. You're just completely exhausted. And we're like, no, we have to have sex. It's our wedding night. Come on. Wait, ow, that's an elbow. Oh, come on. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad we got that over with. I'm good. Uh I love you, honey. Hopefully it'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. And I think, I think, 
um, I think that's kind of countercultural. I don't think people talk about the hard parts of sex. And because of that, I think that people get, um, I mean, we, we got, well, we were disillusioned, but we also, even after working through all that and after having, you know, a lot of success and eventually having the night that was starry and magical and then the nights that succeeded, you know, we got to a point where we got complacent with our sex life. And it's just like, that wasn't talked about. And we got Mm -hmm. to a place where it wasn't, you know, as often or as awesome as we wanted it to be. But we weren't, again, we weren't talking about it because it was like, um, I, I just think it's countercultural to talk about. It's like, sure. you just imagine that as a married couple, your sex life is awesome. And you imagine that everybody else's sex is, you know, their sex lives are awesome. And so it's like, who do you talk to? Yeah. It's awkward, kind of awkward to talk to your husband about it, about, you know, maybe ways that you're not satisfied or, that he's not satisfied and then it's awkward to talk to other couples about it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's tricky. So how did you end up moving past that and like addressing it as an issue? Um, well, one big turning point for us was reading a book together. At the beginning of our marriage. We read a book called sheet music, um, which was, um, it, it, uh, it allowed, it was like, um, a conversation piece. It was something that mm. gave us both common terminology, common questions, common discussion points, and it facilitated the conversation for us about sex. And we were like, oh, are you feeling like this? Yeah, actually I am. Let's talk about that kind of a thing. I think that it was a lot easier to to do something together and say like, hey, like let's make our sex life awesome. Uh, and in the process, like somebody else was kind of taking the edge off of those pointed topics of like, I'm dissatisfied because you're doing this. It's, it's more like they talked about these topics as a possibility of something that might be happening. And we were able to openly engage our emotions without feeling like we're attacking each other because it was about like learning from the book as opposed mm-hmm. to like having this potentially conflicting conversation. Yeah, that really helped in our in the early years. And it um, it helped also to set a tone for what we could have eventually. You know, it, talked, it just set... Um, cast the vision. And so, um, when things started to get more complacent and, um, there was a little, there was some dissatisfaction. Um, I think it allowed for conversation to be picked back up. And, um, and so we did, we picked it back up. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it really gave us, it, it opened the conversation so that it didn't feel taboo or awkward because we were already used to talking about it. Um, when we needed to talk about it, we were able to, yeah. There's so much, uh, you know, uh, there, there's so much, you pointed at something. There's, there's two ends of the spectrum. One is the complacency, which is just the, okay, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to expect much. We're not going to do anything. I'm just like, you know, you, 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 you have it scheduled and you 20 minutes or whatever it is. And you just crank one out, so to speak. <laughs> and, and okay, we, we're good. And then there's the the expectation that I think you're right. So many people come into it with, um, particularly those who uh, have have held abstinence before marriage, that somehow it's now going to be awesome. It's going to be angels fireworks. angels playing in fireworks and and all of that and. I just I love that you're pointing at that because I, I think our experience has been largely somewhere in the middle. Yeah, sure. 
Um, like, yep. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things um, that I want to um, point to is that one of the things that we got to notice between our premarital life and our marital life is that everything pre-marriage, um, it felt like there was so much pressure to have sex. You know, mm-hmm. it was very cultural. It was expected. There was so much emotions. Everything pointed at sex, 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 sex. And then once we got married, it was like everything pointed to not having sex. You know, it's like I have never heard my parents talk about sex. You know, I don't even I know they've had sex three times at least, you know. Sure. But beyond that, you know, it's like we don't we don't have any role models for sex. And when we got into marriage, everything pointed against it. We were always too tired for sex, too busy. You know, the baby woke up, the baby woke up. We were in conflict. You know, it wasn't like all of this crazy makeup sex. It was like, I'm mad at you. You know, there was basically anything that could get in the way, got in the way. Mm. And it was like, if you drew a line in the sand in our sex life, pre-marital and post-marital, it was like, it's almost like there's a current that before marriage, it gives you pressure to have sex because that's not the place to have sex. And then once you are married, there's all this pressure to not have sex because that is the place to have sex. It's one of the best ways that we've built intimacy in our marriage and fun and romance and have, you know, like continue to move beyond like, hey, we're not roommates. Like I'm in this because I'm physically attracted to you and I want to have sex with you, you know, and not just for that, but that is an element of it, you know, and then versus beforehand, it's like sex isn't supposed to be sex is supposed to be a tool that binds two people like yeah. at the soul level. You're not supposed to be bound at the soul level to just anyone that you meet or people that you aren't in that forever relationship with, because then that person takes a piece of you that you don't get to get back, you know? So, um, it just feels like there's, um, resistance and opposition once we get into the married life against sex. And that's why I think, um, first of all, it's easy to, uh, take it out of your focus. Um, but second of all, why I also think that it points to how important sex is because nothing that is worthwhile is unopposed. You know? mm. Because sex is so heavily contested, I believe that um, it's so highly valuable. Mm. I, I'm curious, like I know you speak to couple you speak to couples that are like we have a weekly budget meeting or you know Justin and I work out together every day do you guys have any kind of a rhythm where you're like okay you know this is when we talk about sex or you know is there ever just a you know hey so how's it going over there or like how does That's that come idea. up <laughs> hey how you doing we we have a rhythm of hey let's have sex yeah um, we learned a thing called the intimacy lifestyle from um, uh, another online marriage thing. And we really like it. It's basically um, you take, you split up the week. She gets three days. I get three days. On her three days, it's her job to initiate. On my three days, it's my job to initiate. So we schedule to have sex twice a week. Or um, more. Or yeah. more. But we schedule to at least have sex to twice a week. To at least initiate individually that many times. Yeah. And what that allows us to... Um, and then on top of that, there's the understanding that it's a no-no policy. 
which means if the other person initiates, you don't make excuses, you don't say, I'm too busy, I don't want to, you choose to engage in sex with them. Now, barring exceptions like if you're deathly ill or if you're in the middle of a meeting or whatever, you know, but the, <laughs> the other person is supposed to be considerate of their initiation timing, you know. Um, sure. And uh, it's really founded on those two things. Uh, one is, you know, we delegate the responsibility of initiative. Um, and then two, uh, we say yes if the other person initiates. And it's not scheduled as in like we have it in for four o'clock on t- every Tuesday. We have 15 minutes of sex. It's like, hey, when, you know, it allows for spontaneity. And between Sunday and Tuesday, when you feel aroused and you want to have sex, then you initiate. And then between, from Wednesday to Friday, it's my job to initiate with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I think... Um, Oh, there's so much about sex we could talk about. I just think that for the most <laughs> part, for the most part, like married sex requires work. I think that at the sure. end of the day, it's like just like any other portion of our relationship. It requires persistence. It requires persistence. And it's like it's so worth the payoff. I think that so many people undervalue yeah. the role of sex in marriage. And I think that it needs to be taken as seriously as something like communication. Like if if we weren't communicating well and we were constantly in conflict, we would know that something needs to be fixed. Like there is something obviously wrong. If we're not having sex, something is Or we're very, not having good sex. Or not having good sex. <laughs> yeah. Something is – or like, yeah, like either of us is dissatisfied or painful or whatever. It's like there is something that is very wrong and we need to fix it. It requires attention. You yeah, know? it's absolutely a barometer yes. for the health of a relationship. Yeah. Now here's here's what I'm curious about because we haven't read sheet music, but I'm I'm curious. I look forward what, to reading it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right, baby. <laughs> um, what are what do you think are some of the common conversations the couples may be like avoiding? Like, oh, I don't really want to ask or talk that's about this. Question. That you guys have kind of you know, broached with each other that you're like, well, it's okay to talk about this and how'd it go? And I think amount is probably one of the, I think one of the biggest conversations that needs to be had. I think that typically within a relationship, you have two, I mean, you have two people that are coming in that have different levels of sexual appetite or, um, you know, I mean, they're, everybody comes in with whatever baggage they have and, um, you know, whatever needs that they have. And I think that a lot of the times we don't, we don't want to talk about them and how they're different, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, whichever party wants to be having more or or one less, typically I feel like, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And super important because I just had, um, someone that I know, uh, one of the partners wanted to have sex often and the other one didn't want to have sex at all. And they didn't address that conversation about sex. And that was the press, like the tipping point for them in deciding to get a divorce. You know, mm-hmm. they just weren't able or chose not to communicate about sex or just neither of them realized the gravity of that conversation of that aspect of their relationship. So they didn't have sex for years and it was like they just grew further and further and further apart. Which is an extreme example, but I think it's so easy to – it's not extreme at the same time. Right. Like it's not extreme when you're not willing to talk about something, you know, as important and complicated as sex. Like it, it's, 
it just continues. It steamrolls. It becomes something you haven't talked about for weeks, and then it becomes something you haven't talked about for months, and then it, it becomes something that's as extreme as, um, you know, I mean, hopefully not as extreme for you, but, you know, where it's been a long time and you're still right. having issues and you're dissatisfied and it just feels like something that can't be fixed. And, um, yeah. I think that, to be honest, so many conversations about sex. If you put the word sex in a conversation, it can become awkward and uncomfortable and difficult for couples to have if they don't, like if they aren't in the habit of talking about it. Um, especially because there's just so much sensitivity around it. It's so private and intimate and vulnerable. When If you were to express dissatisfaction, it's easy for someone to interpret that as invalidation, as something that they are doing wrong or that they themselves are wrong. You know, it's like so much attached to sex can be so sensitive. Like, um, switch to the intimacy lifestyle, um, where we, we decided to, you know, always essentially say yes to the other partner is how often I was saying, no, I didn't Mm. realize. And it's not just how often I physically said no. But it was how often my, like, I physically said no. Like, it was like my body, even if I was, you know, willing, you know, I didn't want to shut him down or whatever. It was like I wasn't physically in it. And because of that, it took me longer to be in it. And um, and it just wasn't as, it wasn't what it could be. It wasn't what it is now. And then once I got into the position where, you know, I I placed myself in a yes mind frame, it's amazing the the physical transformation. I mean, not just like, you know, just saying yes and it and having us having sex, but like my body responded differently. Like when I put myself, it's almost like I had too much power. Like I thought that um, that it was my job to decide yes or no because I I was in that I was in that position. I was the 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 power play essentially, and I don't know that it you know. It was sneaky. I wouldn't say that it looked like I was the boss at all. But, you know, he would come to me because he's the higher desire partner. Um, He would come to me wanting, you know, initiating. And I would, um, you know, I I would respond yes or no based on what what I wanted. I was saying yes or no. I put myself in a position of power over our sex life. And because of that, I mean, you don't realize how much pressure comes with power. It's like you have this power to say yes or no. And um, because of that, there's this pressure to say yes, which makes me want to say no. And it just, it was this just really rough cycle. And so we, um, we decided to start the intimacy lifestyle and put our, ourselves in the mind frame of yes. And the transformation really was physical. I mean, I, I could feel myself reacting to him more quickly. Um, when he initiated, um, I was excited about it. I, I was glad he was initiating and it made me feel, um, you know, beautiful and desired. And it was, it was good for me. And taking that no out of the equation when I thought that I want, I thought I wanted the no because it meant that I didn't have, you know, I didn't have to have sex if I didn't want to. But when I took it out, I realized that I wanted to have sex way more than I thought. And it just became something that, um, that was really powerful for us. And, um, and we're, we just, we have sex so much more often and it's, it's so much more powerful and intimate. And, um, I just, I didn't realize how much taking, how much that no being in the equation really, really affected the outcome. So it's been, it's really, really powerful for us. Yeah. And 
for me being on the opposite side of that, it was really difficult uh, for our sex life for a very long time. What ended up happening was um, I would try to initiate and she would say no. And then she would say, you know, I want for you to, to be initiating. I feel like I'm the one who's initiating our sex. And so then I felt inadequate as a man because I was like, well, you know, I'm not making sex happen. And it, it made me feel, you know, small. And then she was saying, well, the way that I want you to initiate is by doing something spontaneous, which for her was basically saying, you know, um, take the decision out of it, have it be something that's more natural. So where I'm not the one saying yes or no, she didn't know it at the time, but that's basically what she was saying. And then, so then I felt inadequate and pressure about the way that I had to initiate. I was like, it needs to be certain spe- you know, specifications, the right equation, the right formula for, <laughs> to make sure that she's in the mood, to make sure that it's like a ninja sex, like she doesn't know what's happening, you know, like it's just <laughs> happening. And then, you know, then I felt even more Does, inadequate. Does she because, have to be awake or? <laughs> no, this is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but it, it just felt like there was so, I just felt worse and worse and worse the yeah. more that I tried and failed and tried and failed. And so I'm a, like one of the things that I feel is really special and unique about our relationship is that I love to plan things. You know, I love to bring creativity and forethought into our romance, uh, sexually and non-sexually. Um, and I just felt so stifled. I just felt like, you know, I was just, I'd like, Hey, do you think you want to maybe? And she's like, no. And I'm like, you know, just like felt so small and, and like, you know, just like I didn't have any power or control over it. And finally we made this shift and the no was taken off the table and I started to get into rhythm of initiating. It felt like I could brute, like I had so much more ability, you know, felt, I felt like my, you know, manhood wasn't getting, you know, crushed every time that I tried to have sex. And so it's like, I wanted to be creative. I wanted to initiate in more romantic and thoughtful ways. Our sex became more spontaneous. I, I was not afraid of doing something that was vulnerable and daring for our relationship because I knew that she was going to react in a positive way, you know? So it's like the moments where she wanted me to like, you know, take kissing further. It's like I felt confident too. Or, you know, I started to think about sex beforehand because I was like, you know, I want to do something special for her this week. You know, I want to make my initiation period something that's more meaningful, do something kind of creative out of the box. You know, it felt like when the no was taken off the table and we agreed together beforehand that sex was always on the table, that I felt like I could bring more of myself without the risk of being rejected into our relationship and our sex life. Yeah. You know, there's there the thing that strikes me is there's this kind of a collapsed distinction that I that I hear people make very often, and it's well if we say we're always going to say yes, then that puts the woman in a position of 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 obligation, and 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 I want I'm just Taylor I'm curious, like how do you navigate that piece of it? You know, I really think that that's a cultural I. I think that that's a, a lie. I, I just think it's a lie. I think that we aren't obligated to have sex, male or female. I think that it's a it's a joy and it's a, a privilege to get to have sex and it's a it's a part of um, it's a part of being married. It's a the best it's one of the best parts about being married. Then when you say yes 
it feels like an op- it feels like something that you had a choice to say no to. Does that make sense? It's like mm-hmm. if you take yeah. no out of it, then yes is what you want. It doesn't become like yes or no. It's like yes, yes, yes. Like this is great, mm. you know? I mean, I think when no is present, it's almost like what was that psycho this is hopefully this isn't a rant, but it's it's that um there's a there's a psychology this the psychologist did this test where oh yeah do you you know it better when, yeah when you um, for people they they had like they went and bought a painting and at the checkout the person gave them the option to keep the painting or exchange it for another one um, and they said on average the people who were given the option to get another painting after they had already purchased the their the one that they bought. We're like 33% less happy than the people who just took home the painting that they bought in the first place. Hmm. It's almost like people think that with another option present that they'll be – that they might have been happier with the other one. Whereas if people are just given one option, they rationalize to themselves that they are happy and that the option that they're living out is the best one because – when that is the only option, people want to feel good about the options and the lives that they're living out. And I think the truth is that I, I think it's true for sex. I think that when no is an option, you wonder whether you want this time to be a no. And no. when yes is when yes is your answer, which obviously this is not true for everything. I'm not condoning. I mean, you're you're a team. You're your partners, and you you know if if your spouse is sick or just, you know, hurting in some way, like you have to, you have to read them and that's part of being married. But in a normal circumstance, I, I think that taking no out of the equation makes the yes more satisfying. It makes the yes something mm. that you want to be a part of and that it, it's more satisfying when you, when you're engaging with that because no isn't something you're thinking in the back of your head. Yeah. I also think on the other side of that. So the first time where we were, um, uh, like engaging on that no isn't an option. She was scared and it was like I was initiating and she was, I could feel her hesitation. I could feel the, the fear that she was feeling. And I think that um, when you have that control. Fear because I wasn't in control. Right. Letting go of it is, mm. is scary, you know, because basically what she's saying is she's, giving me the opportunity to hurt her or to take advantage of her if if she's not allowed to have a voice in it. And so for me, that conversation was basically telling her, like, I love you and uh, I am worthy of your trust. And I want for our relationship the best that could be, you know, and I, I want to learn this with you. I want to be in this with you. I don't want to not, I don't want to have sex when you don't want to have sex. Like I want for our sex life to be the best that it possibly can be. And I'm not going to do anything with this power that you're allowing me to have to hurt you, you know? And it was like, as the man who's, who was on the receiving end of the power, um, it was telling her that I am worthy of your trust and I am always going to think of us when I initiate and not just of my own needs and my own desires without regard to yours as well. And I think that us having that conversation and me saying that it's okay for you to let go of this control because I am going to steward it responsibly 
for the betterment of our relationship allowed her to let go and give me the opportunity to, you know, step into that space with her. Yeah. Excellent. Any, any last thoughts? Got any tips or tricks for anybody? Favorite position? I don't know about... (laughs) (laughs) I really just would encourage you to talk about it. I just, you know, for better or worse, like you're, you're, partner is your teammate and your best friend and you know your your most intimate partner and this conversation isn't as scary as it sounds it's not as scary as it feels before you've had it I think that just engaging with that can could be transformative I mean it's been transformative for us and continues to be and the more that we talk about it and engage in you know the scary stuff this it's the, the better things are Yeah, I'd say two bits. One would be um, you're going to face resistance and opposition around like things are going to try to keep you from having sex, keep you from having the conversations, whether it's you don't feel like it, too busy, too tired. Like you can fill in the blank. It could be a million different things, but something's going to try to keep you from having these conversations. And if you choose to push through, your marriage will be richly rewarded, number one. And number two, um, I love the metaphor that sheet music poses as the overarching theme of the book, which is that sex is like playing a music or playing an instrument. Um, when you first start playing smoke on the water is like the hardest thing in the whole world. You know, it's three notes, the entire song. And yet you can't get the timing. You have a hard time fretting the notes. You know, you're, it's just like, it's this whole new world, this difficult thing to tackle. And maybe, you know, your relationship has awesome sex and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you guys are, you know, at a place where sex is a really tender and difficult subject to broach. And like wherever you're starting out, like this instrument is worth playing and it's worth playing well. And wherever you're starting, the next step is the best one that you could possibly take. And I would say persevering and persisting to make this instrument one that is tremendously skillful in your relationship will pay dividends in every other area of your marriage. And it's worth all of the effort that you could possibly pour into it. Oh my gosh, you guys, uh, we're so grateful that you came back to talk with us again and just want to acknowledge the, the courage and just your vulnerability in, in talking about all of this with us and, and sharing your story. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us back. Yeah. And Nathaniel, thank you so much for yeah. that perspective. I just love all that they have to share about the initiation and going back Absolutely. and forth on it. Um, such a cool perspective that I don't think a lot of couples have probably contemplated before. So yeah. um, I feel, feel like that'll be really valuable for us and for our listeners. Sure. You know, they are they're just such a sweet couple. And um, I've known Nathaniel for a while now. And, and Taylor uh, as well, you know, they haven't been married all that long. And yet the, this whole conversation, was just loaded with incredible wisdom and insight. Yeah. Um, I I really feel like we learned some, some great things and we're reminded of some great things, um, in the conversation. For sure. Thank you so much, guys, for for being so vulnerable and willing to share your story. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for this episode of the podcast. 
jump on to Facebook and check out our free online community. Pick up the conversation there and be a part of this movement of couples who are refusing to settle for ordinary. The Legendary Marriage Group on Facebook. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.